All right. Well, again, if you're just joining us and just getting online, please grab your Bible. We are going to do an old-fashioned Bible study today. It's going to be a little bit longer, uh, but this is all it is. We're just going to get into the Bible. I really would love for everyone to have their old-fashioned Bible out. You know, the one with the pages and all that. You turn the pages. You guys got your Bibles out there? Woo! I see my kids with their Bibles, and all right, Elizabeth's got their Bible. If you have to resort to your phone and you look it up that way, that's fine too. Um, but we are going to dig into the Word today. This is going to be a Bible study. We're going to look at a lot of scriptures. Take notes, write down these passages so you can go back to them, because we're going to talk about something that none of us are very good at, um, including me. I'm not that good at this. I told my kids this morning to really listen because I need their help, that I can be someone who's much more reliant upon the Holy Spirit. This morning, I'm giving us an invitation, an invitation to fast and to pray. Woohoo! Aren't you excited about that? Um, usually when I hear that, I don't get too excited. I love to eat. I love parties. I love food. I love all those things. Fasting and praying is, it seems so serious to me, and, and it's, it's hard, and, and I don't like being hungry. And, and so those, that's just where I go. I'm naturally not so super spiritual. And that's the way I think about these things. But I hope that after we study this out, that we are hungering and thirsting more for righteousness. And we understand the need that we have for these great disciplines and why God calls us to these disciplines of fasting and praying. We are on a journey, church. We are on a journey together. In this time in history, we have been past the torch of Christianity. This is our opportunity to serve in God's kingdom, a time we have our chance to build up and serve in, in the church. Uh, people have been doing this for generations upon generations, right? For some, it's gone really well, and God's worked in great ways. For most, though, not so much, right? The story of the Bible is one of salvation and redemption that comes through Jesus Christ. Amen. It's also a story of partnerships where God looks down to people, wondering who wants to partner with him in his work. He's looking for others to partner with, to carry out the ongoing mission of Jesus Christ, to bring shalom, that old Hebrew word, right? This peace with God, making disciples of all nations, teaching all the ways of Christ until he comes, in church, are we, and how are we responding to this call, to this partnership? I believe we've been doing some great things, and God has done great things in this congregation as we approach uh, the beginning of our 10th year as a congregation, and we're going to try to celebrate that uh, decade as a church uh, this September. But also, I think we feel that we are so limited. We have so many ideals and plans, and we want God to use us, but we look at our own lives, and look at our families, look at the church. It's like, how do we even just meet the, all the needs that are right here in front of us? How do we take care of our families? And, and we're barely keeping our heads above water most of the time. So how in the world are we to take on new things? How do we take on ministries like Swamp Corps that we talked with Jeff Warbaugh about if they move here? How do we have this impact around the world, setting up uh, youth camps all over the world in these different countries, how can we even begin 
to think about that, to plan that. I don't have the time for that. I don't have the energy for that. I don't have the bandwidth for that. Maybe those are some of the things that you may be thinking. I know those are some of the things that I've been thinking. So church, we have got to learn to rely on the Holy Spirit. Let me say it again. We must learn. Kevin, I must learn. And I'm, I'm not good at this. I'm, I'm confessing it. I'm admitting it. I'm asking you to join me. This is an invitation to join me in this pursuit, to join in a partnership of reliance on the Holy Spirit. Well, what in the world are you talking about, Kevin? Help me understand. God, help, help me understand. Well, let's look at John chapter 16. So crack, the, crack the Bibles open there. New Testament first. We're going to Old Testament and New Testament today. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. I got a good cup of coffee today. You guys got a cup of coffee with you? Coffee drinkers? Tea drinkers? Got the fire behind me here. There's a new word we learned. What is it, darling? Huga. The Danish word. Danish huga, meaning cozy. So this is a, I feel cozy. Coffee and fire and a dog. Hope you're feeling huga today. John 16, verse 7. Uh, follow along with me as I read. Jesus is talking to his disciples just before he's going to go through the crucifixion and everything to follow there. He says, very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, capital A, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Now, if you're like me, you got to read this about 10 times very slowly to start trying to unpack this. And even then, you still get a little bit confused on Jesus, what exactly you're saying. Sin, because people don't believe in me. Righteousness, because I'm going to the Father. I mean, there's a lot we could dig into right here. But the point that Jesus is making is, hey, I'm leaving. And there's a lot of things you don't get. But, but it's better for me to go so that I can be with you in a very special, different way. Um, my family and I were watching The Chosen. And I don't know if some of you guys may have sort of watching some of that, especially since last week when I showed that clip. And um, every time we watch an episode as a family, it's just kind of quiet in the room for a few minutes as we kind of digest it and we talk about it. Uh, and uh, I was talking with Blake a little bit uh, this week after one of the episodes, and it's just 
like what's so cool about it. And, and it's just so cool to see the reality of Jesus, thinking of him just as a person, as a human, just sitting there doing things, very human things. And it's good for us to, to get in touch with that reality of Jesus. But the fact is, Jesus says here that, that, that he is still real, but in a different way, where only a few people could be around him when he was here in person at a time, because he was bound to uh, just the physical laws of nature, being in one place at one time uh, with a certain amount of people, that now the Spirit can be with all of us all the time, anywhere, any place, that Jesus, his Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is going to be with us. And I think one question we may have is, is he's, what is he saying specifically to the apostles and what is extended to us today? Is this something specifically just for the apostles and the ministry they were going to do? Or, or, or do, do we have the same Holy Spirit that Jesus is promising as well? Well, I think it's both. I think that, that Jesus was giving these apostles something very specific to do. And they were going to do a lot of miraculous things. They're going to write the New Testament for crying out loud. Um, but I, it also is not limited only to the apostles. Why? Because look what Peter says in Acts chapter 2. When Peter preaches the very first gospel sermon, right, on the day of Pentecost, and he preaches about Jesus, if you're turning there, Acts 2 verse 36. Acts 2 verse 36, Peter's preaching, you know, the Holy Spirit is poured out like you know, fire rests on the apostles, this really, you know, supernatural Holy Spirit moment, this pouring out of the Spirit. He says, therefore, let all Israel be asserted this, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Peter is, is saying what Jesus promised, not just to the apostles, was a promise given to all those there at Pentecost. And he goes on in verse 39, he says, the promise is not only for you, he says it's for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. The apostle Peter makes it very clear that when we're baptized into Christ, when we turn to Christ, we receive this same blessing, the same filling of the Holy Spirit that was, that was promised Maybe the apostles had a specific role, a specific ministry, a specific partnership with the Holy Spirit, but this same Holy Spirit partners with us in our lives today as Christians today, for those of us who are far, far off. If we don't even understand everything that that means or the significance of this, let's at least come to the conclusion to admit this is true, this is real. This is right. If you're a Christian today, you have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
you know, the Holy Spirit, from what I learned, is not such a Western spirit. <laughs> what do I mean by that? Um, the Holy Spirit is not so much about doing and planning and all these things. I mean, the Holy Spirit is doing things, but for, for our interaction with the Holy Spirit is very different. The whole, our interaction with the Holy Spirit is one of being in the Spirit, one of listening to the Spirit, one of watching for the Spirit, one in trusting in the Spirit, one in believing in the Spirit. This is why I said, I'm not so good at this. I, I like to do things. I, li I like to plan things. I like to get it done, put things into action. And then that's not bad. It's not a bad thing. Uh, actually, that, that can be very good. But to partner with the Holy Spirit, we, we've we got to put down those things and, and, and be patient and look and watch and pray and trust and believe. And, and that's harder for me to do than for me just to do something about it to try to fix a situation. Uh, maybe you relate to me. You guys relate to me here in my living room? Yes? Okay, get some nods. This Holy Spirit brings empowerment, brings righteousness, brings us wisdom, brings us understanding. The Holy Spirit works miracles and brings glory to God, and brings faith to unbelievers. The Holy Spirit wars against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's a spiritual battle going on. This ancient quest, it's been fought for generations and generations, and you and I are on this battlefield. And you know what? The Holy Spirit is our general, and he's seen every generation go through this, and he's, he's our general. Um, over the holidays, I, I, I wanted to watch a, a war movie, and I watched the movie uh, Hacksaw Ridge. It's, 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 it's an amazing movie that's terrible. It's violent. It's gory. It's hard to watch. It's hard to stomach. So I don't necessarily recommend it, but it's, it's, um, it's, it's gripping. Here's a guy who's trying to stand up for his convictions, his belief about nonviolence. And, and um, anyway, there's this scene where, where they're going to Hacksaw Ridge, this place, this, this big cliff. And they're fighting against the Japanese up on top of the cliff. And they're walking to the battle lines. And, and the, the platoon that was there before them starts walking back. And, and they are just, they are looking down. They're just filthy and dirty and just discouraged. And, and you know, you know they're, they're beat up and they're walking in. And, and the other group is walking toward the cliff. And they're all excited to go to battle. But as more they look at these other guys, they're just like, what are we getting into? this is serious. We can't, we need to be prepared, you know, and, and uh, they are going to this very serious, serious battle. And I, and I, and I think I, that scene to me says we should be sobered about this. Like the battle we're fighting is nothing to play around with. It's nothing to play around with. Paul in Ephesians 6, turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm familiar with this passage. Paul, Paul is trying to, to tell us this, that we that the battle we're fighting is, is, is terrible. It's, it's, it's violent. It's bloody. It's, it's, there's Satan does not play fair. It's, it's terrible. And, and we've got to be ready to fight this battle. Are we prepared? And he says, we need to make 
a stand. Verse six, he says, be strong in the Lord, Ephesians six, and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Guys, he is ruthless. He is terrible. He, he speaks only lies. Guys, this is a huge, huge, terrible, dark battle that we are all facing. He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. We need to be sobered. We're walking into battle, and we got to see the reality of what's going on. And he's saying, you better, <laughs> you better be prepared. You better be prepared. But be prepared with different weapons than what the world fights with. And he talks about some of those weapons, right? Um, another great movie, Return of the Jedi. Chad Combs, I'm drawing you in here, man. Star Wars. Um, I, I, I really think Return of the Jedi is probably my favorite movie of all the Star Wars movies. And um, I mean, because you got to love the Ewoks, right? The Ewoks are just 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 awesome, you know, and, and they're cute and they're and they're these guys, they, they have a lot of heart, right? You got the Ewoks wanting to fight against the Empire. And the Empire, they have, the Stormtroopers have lasers and cannons and these big walking machines. And the, you know what the Ewoks have? They have rocks. They have little sticks and, and these bows and arrows, you know? And they're like, the Ewoks, we're going to go fight against the Stormtroopers. They've got no chance. They've got no chance. Uh, but I love their heart. Um, and they had a little success, right? In that little battle, they took out a few of them, but eventually the stormtroopers are going to win over the Ewoks because they just, they're overpowered. Uh, I could feel that way with our church sometime in our life. I think, I think uh, we can have some success in the church. We can have some, we can take our rocks and sticks and, 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 and fight and do our things and see some success, but we've got no chance if we're just fighting with sticks and rocks and he says, we need something else. What they need in the, in return of the Jedi, they needed the force. They needed the Jedi, right? Uh, even the rebel Alliance couldn't do it without the force. I mean, that, I think that movie speaks spiritual truths, right, Chad? Amen. Um, we need the Holy spirit. Verse 18. Look what Paul says we're back in Bible here, we're getting away from star Wars back to biblical truth. All right. He says, what, pray in the spirit. Again, there's this in the spirit. Being in the spirit, praying while we are in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. So, so basically, Paul is saying, as this battle is going on, there's so much happening there's so much that we need to fight with. So pray, pray. <laughs> and, and, and we can think prayer is something that we should do, but we don't understand that prayer is where the power is. Prayer is fighting the battle. We've got a lot to learn, right? Are we letting the Holy Spirit guide us, fight for us, move within us, 
being in the spirit, being alert, keeping on praying. Turn with me. We're looking at Old Testament story, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles 20. We got time today. You don't have to drive home from church today. You got, you got nothing going on, all right? Nothing going on. We got time. We're, we're in the Bible today. We're going to look at, we're going to have a, like I said, good old Bible study. So here, here we're in the Old Testament. King of Judah, Jehoshaphat. You got to remember that name. I mean, what a, what a cool name, Jehoshaphat. Um, can't forget it. I, I think he does pretty well. He's trying to call people back to God. And anyway, without going through all this history and all these things, basically he's the king of Judah and uh, they're being attacked by their enemies. Pretty simple. Verse one of chapter 20, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and I love this one, the Meunites. I think, I think we have a lot of battles still today with the Meunites. The battles with me. That should be a sermon on, you know, the battle against the Meunites. Anyway, uh, they came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. So Jehoshaphat, I think he becomes very aware this is a serious war. Okay, this battle is real. I'm, you know what? I'm walking by the soldier. Oh, we're, we're in trouble here. We gotta, we gotta be ready to fight. And I don't think we're very ready. So he's disturbed and he, so some people, they came in and they told Jehoshaphat, the vast, a vast army is coming against you from Edom on the other side of the Dead Sea. It's already at Hazazon Tamar, that is in Gedi. Alarm, Jehoshaphat resolved, and this is the best thing about Jehoshaphat, to do what? To inquire of the Lord. These are where those really cool Bible stories start. When somebody does like that, they resolve to go fight. They resolve to take it in their own hands. They resolve to pray. They resolved to go to the Lord in prayer. And you know what he did? He proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. I mean, to Jehoshaphat's credit, this is a brilliant plan. Hey, we're in trouble. So, and not only am I going to pray, but I am going to get everybody to pray. Because you know what? This is not only just going to impact Jehoshaphat. It's going to impact every family, every household in all of his kingdom. If they get conquered, they're all doomed. So he's like, we're all in this. We all need to pray. This is going to impact every single one of us, guys. Are you aware? We need to pray about this together. So they all come together in the solemn assembly, and they are fasting. They're not eating food. They are just desperate. God, save us. They are, they are trying to get God's attention. And Jehoshaphat prays this really awesome prayer. You can read it for yourself. In verse 13, all the men of Judah with their wives, so the men and the women, and the children, and the little ones, the little babies, everybody stood there before the Lord. And, and it goes on, and it's a super cool story where God's like, I got this, guys. The way you responded fires me up. I got this battle. And they didn't even have to fight the battle. They just sat there and watched God win it. And I don't even know. God set up these 
things where they got the enemy was coming and they got ambushed by other people or something, but 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 God just took care of it and God won the battle. Amen. That's how you fought. That's how you fight. Um how many and I look at my own life like is, is that what I do? Is my solution to the problems to to go to God first or just to let's get a planning meeting together and let's think about what we're going to do about this and and let's put some an action plan and I got to make some changes and I got to do this I got to I I I the Meunites are fighting me already from the inside out instead of like look let's pray let's fast let's together let's inquire of the Lord and in that in itself is fighting the battle. This is how the Holy Spirit works. This is how the Holy Spirit partners with people. These are how those miraculous things happen. Um, you know, there, there's so many ways we're being threatened, you know, and um, the evil one is pouring in to all of our lives, all around us, ripping apart homes, families, marriages, destroying our, our, our city, our nation, our world with greed, with immorality. All around us, the evil one is challenging the authority of God, brazenly challenging the authority of Jesus Christ, convincing people and trying to convince us, even in the church, that we can challenge God for his authority. Challenging moral law, challenging natural law, and yes, challenging the commandments of God. What is the result? What do we see when we turn on the news? More and more hate, more and more violence, depression, suicide, guilt, heartlessness, shame, murder, loneliness. This is the battle we're facing. And maybe like Jehoshaphat today, it's time to call fast. It's time to call us to inquire the Lord. I don't know exactly what to do. The truth is none of us do. The Holy Spirit does, and the Holy Spirit has the power to, to, to work in mighty, mighty ways for the glory of God, and are we going to partner with his work is the question. Turn with me to Mark chapter 9. Let's turn to the ministry of Jesus. Mark 9, this is not a victory. This is a, a defeat. We saw a great victory with Jehoshaphat, here in the ministry of Jesus, we're going to see a defeat in the ministry of the disciples, okay? And, and what can we learn from this, from this defeat? Mark chapter 9 and verse 14. Um, you know, Jesus had given his disciples authority. He had given them authority to drive out demons and to work miracles. They have authority given to them by Christ himself. But very interestingly, they fail in carrying out 
what Jesus has called them to do. So they came to other disciples. Uh, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. They couldn't do it. They failed. They tried. God gave me authority to do this. We're going, and they could not accomplish what God had called them to do. Very interesting. Jesus says, you unbelieving generation, how long shall I put, stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring me the boy. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. Is off, he's is often thrown him into fire for or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And I think we all live right there in that statement. Okay. When Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he says, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse. Many said he's dead, but Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? You gave us the authority to do it. But why didn't it listen to us? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. And in many versions says prayer and fasting. Okay. What do we learn from this story? Goodness gracious. This one's kind of complex. I've heard different takes on this story. I've heard people try to use prayer and fasting almost as the solution, like the magic trick. Here's a demon. You can do some things without prayer and fasting, but the really hard things, you got to pray and fast. That's the only way they come out. I don't know what I think about all that. I think what I do learn from all this <coughs> is that Jesus's main critique is unbelief. It's not that they weren't praying and fasting. It's that they did not believe their faith was not strong enough. And then he says, this kind can only come out with prayer and fasting. Here's my take on it. I don't think prayer and fasting necessarily are the magic tricks. You know, here's what you do. Do one, two, and three, and then that demon will come out. What prayer and fasting does, it helps us to have greater faith. It helps us to, to 
remind us of who our belief is in, that our belief is in Jesus Christ. Our belief is in the power of God and prayer and fasting can help us grow in our faith. That's what I believe Jesus is truly trying to get across. It's like, you guys, you're thinking too much about yourselves. You're thinking too much about the situation, how you do this, and you're thinking too less about the power of God. That's what I think is at the root of, of what's happening here. That's the problem that Jesus is trying to address. Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting is an opportunity for us. As Jesus says in, in the Beatitudes, in the Sermon on the Mount, to hunger and thirst for righteousness. To hunger and thirst for righteousness. Biblical fasting is what? Going without food. For a time, so God can see that we suffered through hunger so that he'll bless what we did because we suffered so much by being hungry with it. That is not at all. What, that's asceticism. That, that's, so, that's, that's not what biblical fasting is. Biblical fasting is, is taking away our human urges is, is, and, and being reminded of our reliance on God, right? Think about when Jesus fasted in the desert after he was baptized, Matthew 4. The first temptation that Satan throws at him is the first temptation we all have when we start to fast. I don't care if you've had, you went to Golden Corral five minutes before you started fasting. As soon as you say, now I'm fasting, I guarantee you're going to be hungry <laughs> just because you know you're not supposed to eat anything because you can't have it. I want it. And that's the first thing Satan comes after Jesus with. He says in, in, in Matthew 4, verse, verse 1, he says, um, or verse 3, the tempter came. If you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And that is what we become aware of when we begin a fast. And when we fast, he quotes from Deuteronomy 8, when they're remembering um, how God led them in the desert. And, and he says, he says, uh, he says, God humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So this was used to teach God's people that they were to rely upon God and be filled with his word. Fasting helps us become aware of that lesson. Am I relying upon the things of this world, the, the food that enters my body? Is, is that where I get my, where do I get my confidence, my security, my sustenance? Does it come from God or am I looking for it in other things? Fasting, getting hungry, knowing that food will fill our bellies, but only temporarily will it fill us. We'll always be hungry again for more food but we're saying my food is what, as Jesus said, to do the will of him who sent me. And it's a good question for us. Is that what we hunger for? To turn our hunger away from food and to the will of God. Fasting and prayer 
is also a time to remove worldly distractions from our minds and our hearts. A physical fast should be a spiritual feast. We may have heard that. Let's unpack that a little bit. We fill our hearts with, and minds with the word of God, drowning out other voices. When, when we decide to fast, it's not a time to sit on the couch and watch television. It's not a time to surf Facebook and play video games. It's a time to fill our minds with the word of God. It's time to turn off the TV and social media and entertainment. What happens when we do this? We begin to become more tuned in to the voice of God. And that's what Jesus says, right? My sheep will know my voice. And we have so many voices just calling after us all the time. And it's time for us to tune in to the voice of Jesus. Think about it. So many huge moments of revelation came when, when our brothers and sisters were fasting. Peter, Acts 10, when he was fasting on the roof, received the revelation from Jesus about the ministry of the Gentiles. Paul, when he was fasting, Acts chapter 9, he received specific instructions from Jesus Christ himself. The church in Antioch in Acts chapter 13, the church was fasting when the Holy Spirit called Paul and Barnabas to their specific mission because they were more in tune through their fasting with what the Holy Spirit was trying to say. Church, we need to fast and pray. So, this week, as an evangelist to this church, a shepherd in this church, I would like to call us to a special week where we are striving to listen more attentively to the voice of God. In the spirit of Jehoshaphat, right? Calling all of us, men, women, women, children, all of us to, to strive to tune into the voice of God, turning down or turning off the other voices and turning up the voice of God. This week, let's strive to remove some distractions. Removing distraction, replacing with proaction. I tried something there. Um, so you, you remove something and you replace it with something. You replace it with God, right? Number one, limit the media this week. Limit the media this week. And fill that space with the word of God. Instead of getting on Facebook and Instagram and, and, and watching the news or whatever, you know, yeah, check the weather, whatever you got to do, but, but use that time and all of us do it some, some way or whatever and read the word of God. Instead, fill your mind with the word of God. Number two, limit entertainment. How much time do you spend on that game on your phone? How many, watching Netflix shows or, or whatever. Hey, I, I love, you know, the new Boba Fett or whatever. I mean, I, I'm a fan of, of a great entertainment, right? But this is not the week for that. This is the way, the week for us to be more in tune with the Holy Spirit, right? We're asking and praying. So let's limit our entertainment and be worshipful. Be worshipful. If you want to watch something, maybe watch The Chosen, you know? Uh, 
sing a song, put on some praise music. You know, instead of filling our life with entertainment, let's worship God. Let's go out a prayer walk and praise him. Go to the beach and walk. All, let's do that this week to be more in tune with the voice of God. Number three, limit indulgence and live in simple reliance on God's provisions. This is not the week to go to Golden Corral Buffet. <laughs> this is not the week to, you know, and uh, I don't know, it may be somebody's birthday this week. I don't know. I mean, you know, of course, uh, we used to always do these 21 day fast in Athens, the beginning of the year and my wife's birthday is in January. And, you know, she's such a great spirit, such good sport, but you know, it's, it's understand it's your birthday. It's a challenge. All I'm saying is there also is never a convenient time to fast. There's never a convenient time to do these things. You just got to do them. You just say, okay, I'm going to focus in on the voice of God. Limit media, limit entertainment, limit indulgences the feast it's not a time for physical feasting it's a time for spiritual feasting live in simple reliance on god's provisions um i think all of us according to our what we all want to do can make different decisions this week you know but i would like to call for us to invite us all on wednesday for this wednesday to be a day of fasting and prayer for all of us who are, are medically and physically able to refrain from eating food during the day on Wednesday and filling that space with the word of God. Instead of eating breakfast, read the word. Instead of eating lunch, read the word. Instead of eating dinner, read the word. And maybe your family comes together for dinner. Instead of dinner, have your Bibles out and reading the word of God together. And then we're going to come together in our growth groups on Zoom or some may meet in person. I think everybody's probably going to be on Zoom. And we're going to have a time where we pray together. And I'm going to suggest we do our meetings at 630, from 630 to 730. After that prayer time will be a time to eat, a time to break the fast. Okay. But I would like for us, church, to have a day where we fast together this week all together to be a week where we strive to be more in tune with the voice of God, but specifically on Wednesday that we fast together and we pray together in our growth groups. I'm very curious what God's going to do. I'm excited. I think it's going to be great. I can't wait for our prayer times. Uh, I do want to give us some direction. I want to share our screen, my screen with, um, with you here. What are, what are we praying for? Well, you may have some other personal things, but I think as a church, these these seven things I'll email out to you that I like for us to pray specifically for. One, God, to fill us with the Holy Spirit and lead us as a congregation to give uh, us clarity and direction to the ministries he has called us. I mean, that's very general, but I believe God will start giving us that direction. Specifically here, number two, to give Jeff and Jen Rohrbaugh clarity. So if you're visiting, it's, it's a couple who's who's um praying about moving here to lead our youth and family ministry and uh need clarity in god's will for the Rorbas, for our church for the swamp camp and the swamp core and the athens church of christ all of us that are partnering together impacted by this decision number three for god to work in powerful ways to grow this church to be a greater light for this community 
Number four, for God to give us the power and the courage and conviction and faith to respond to the ministries he's called us to. Because we certainly need some help there, right? Number five, for God to reveal a path for future leadership in this congregation. We need more leaders and servants, more workers, more elders, more deacons, more growth group leaders, staff and board members and ministry leaders. And he goes on praying for God to raise that up here in this community. For God to reveal a path for future facilities and plans. There, we'll talk more about it, but there have been a lot of conversations about us trying to purchase a facility. And, and we need prayers about that. Providing funds and resources for endeavors that will aid in the advancing of ministry. And number seven, more personal to all of us for personal growth, spiritual renewal, breakthrough within the hearts and lives of every soul connected to our congregation. There are so many needs. There are people thinking about getting baptized. There are neighbors who are crying out to God that, that we've been trying to help for God to break through and the spirit to break through to, to reach these souls, to reach all of our lives. Uh, let's pray. Let's fast. Let's bring these requests together uh, to the Lord. I'll email these out to us, church, but we're going to uh, close in Joel chapter two. Joel chapter two to close today, and then we'll take the communion and have a prayer and service will be over. Joel 2, this prophetic voice written thousands of years ago, probably 2,500 years ago or so, that the Apostle Peter is going to quote from Joel 2 on the day of Pentecost, on the very first day of the church. So he's going to choose this passage, I believe, out of instruction from the Lord uh, to quote to us. But I think it's important for us to understand the context of what that passage is talking about. It's, it's talking about God partnering with people, people of faith who are going to rely upon his power and repent and come together with prayer and fasting and cry out to God for his strength and his guidance. And let's read this together to be reminded. Uh, and as we ask the question together, are we going to be a people who rely upon God in this way? Joel 2 verse 12, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping and mourning. Yes, there's a very ser serious element of this. Rend your heart, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sin and calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave behind a blessing grain offerings and drink offerings for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly, gather the people, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast, 
leave the bridegroom, let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Let the priests who minister before the Lord weep before the portico and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, Lord. Do not make your inheritance an object of scorn, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? It's never convenient to call a fast. It's, they say, wherever you are, whatever's going on, it is time to come together and fast and pray. Verse 18, the Lord's answer. Then the Lord was jealous for his land and took pity on his people. The Lord replied to them, I am sending you grain, new wine and olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. I will drive the northern horde far from you, pushing it into a parched and barren land. Its eastern ranks will drown in the Dead Sea and its western ranks in the Mediterranean Sea and its stench will go up. It'll, its smell will rise. Surely he has done great things. Do not be afraid, land of Judah. Be glad and rejoice. Surely the Lord has done great things. Do not be afraid, you wild animals, for the pastures in the wilderness are becoming green. The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains because he is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. I will repay you for the years of locusts locusts have eaten. The great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locusts swarm my great army that I am sending among you. You will have plenty to eat until you're full. You will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Then you will know that I am in Israel, that I am the Lord your God, and that there is no other. Never again will my people be shamed. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there will be deliverance, as the Lord has said, even among the survivors whom the Lord calls. Read through Joel 2. That same call is for God's people of all time. To rend our hearts to God, to trust in him, to pray to him, to declare a holy fast, let God respond with the blessing. Perhaps he will turn to us in our land, here in Wilmington, North Carolina, in your home, in your neighborhood. He'll turn here and he'll shower blessing. He'll bring salvation. He'll bring newness 
He'll bring miracles. He'll bring all these things. He'll pour out his spirit on all generations where we all can hear the voice of God in our hearts and our minds as we tune out the other noises and out the other voices and tune in to the voice of the Holy Spirit. He truly will speak. He truly will work. Church, let's pray. Let's fast. Let's listen to the Holy Spirit. Let's let God work. Amen. We're going to take communion now. We're going to take the, the Lord's Supper. Just remember, this is what he told us at the first Lord's Supper. I am going to send you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He'll be with you forever. For all whom the Lord our God will call. Let's remember this Holy Spirit. Let's remember Jesus is with us. Are we listening to him? Let's pray. Lord, we come before you to thank you. God, we come before you to rend you our hearts. We come before you to ask you to teach us to pray. Ask you to teach us to rely on the Holy Spirit. Ask you to teach us through fasting how to hunger and thirst for righteousness. God, we ask that you will use this week in a special way as we try to tune more into your spirit, speak to our hearts, speak to our lives, speak to this church. God, we, we ask for you to work in the name of Jesus as he promised his spirit is with us, as we can so confidently affirm as we take this communion that he promised this spirit, this advocate, the Holy Spirit is with us today, not because of our holiness, not because of our righteousness, but because of his blood, because of Christ's blood. Thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit. And we pray through Jesus' name, amen.